The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of RacePoint Group and Digital Influence Group, marketing services companies organized to help CMOs in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'll be talking about the future of medical devices and the marketing of those devices with Zhang Li, Senior Vice President of Marketing for Conformis, a hot company that develops and commercializes personalized knee implants. Zhang is responsible for developing and implementing the company's worldwide marketing strategy. Prior to joining Conformis, Zhang spent 14 years in a variety of roles at Monitor, a leading international strategy consulting firm. Over his career, he has been responsible for leading competitive and marketing strategy projects for Fortune 500 clients, M&A valuation and due diligence, business plan development for venture capital and private equity firms, and organizational design and development efforts. Zhang has worked across the healthcare industry in diabetes healthcare, blood glucose monitoring, pain management, spine orthopedics, cardiac rhythm management, interventional cardiology, and gastroenterology. In the five years prior to joining Conformist, Zhang focused on product marketing strategy for clients in the medical device sector, including overseeing the monitor team that worked on the launch of the leading drug eluding stent on the market. Zhang has an MBA from Harvard Business School. Conformance is a client. I have to uh, make sure everybody knows that, but I'm excited to have him here today. Welcome to the Market Edge, John. Uh, thanks very much, Larry. Hey, first, you know, we've had now now and then a you know a, a number of next generation medical companies talking about the way they market, et cetera. First, tell us a bit about Conformance, exactly what it is. You know, a little more detail of what they do and. Mm-hmm sort of what category it fits in, and then maybe sort of, you know, sort of an overview of how you take the marketing challenge uh, of of this company and and some of the high-level strategy around it. Sure. Um, So Conformis is an orthopedic implant company. Uh, We were founded in 2004, and, you know, we believe we're on the cusp of revolutionizing the way in which orthopedic implants are designed, manufactured, and delivered. Um, if you, uh, you know, orthopedics is a fairly large category. There's probably somewhere uh, north of 20 billion when you include all of orthopedics together worldwide. Um, the knee category, which is the, the area we're currently focused on, is about a $6 billion category. And knee replacement surgery is one of the most common surgical procedures that are done um, in the United States, but also worldwide. Um, the way the business currently works is that orthopedic implant manufacturers design implants, um, they stock those implants in a certain range of sizes, usually numbering about six or seven. They deploy those implants at a hospital who then has to stock them. And when a patient needs a knee replacement, a standard off-the-shelf implant is placed into the patient. Um, it's selected by the surgeon. 
and the surgeon has to um, do some, you know, surgical manipulation, bone cutting, shaving, um, other manipulations in order to make the patient fit the design of the implant in order to get a good um, uh, fit for the, uh, for the patient. <clears throat> what Conformis has done is we've tried to turn that around. Uh, one of the big movements that's happening in medical devices and in healthcare in general is the use of um, digital data. Uh, and in this case, what we do is we take imaging data, like from a CT scan or, for, or an MRI, we take that data and we custom build an implant that's made specifically for one patient, and we use a just-in-time manufacturing and delivery method so that the hospital and other people don't have to have that inventory that they keep at the hospital. So instead of getting an off-the-shelf implant, what a patient would get is a custom implant that's made just for them, that's made to their exact size and specifications and shape. Um, and all of those, the size, the fit, the shape, um, all of those affect the way the knee would uh, fit and last in a patient. So that's what we're trying to do as a company. So really, the, you know, <clears throat> there's a whole next generation of healthcare companies that are much smarter use of digital data, you know, and sort of uh, uh, ability to use best practices to try to get the cost down but still have, you know, revolutionary almost innovation. How has your experience been competing with some of the these industry giants who actually seem rather bloated as they keep eating up all these other companies and try to force sort of a, a more of a proprietary process on, on the industry versus a, you know, an openness, a transparency, and an understanding of innovation and data, digital data? I think that's an excellent question, and I think it relates back to the question you asked at the beginning, which is what are some of the unique challenges that we face as um, a smaller company in this space in marketing these devices? <clears throat> Knee replacement's been a category that's been established for something like 30 years, and it's consolidated at this point to about five major competitors who are each in and of themselves um, globally oriented, uh, worldwide competitors with um, a lock on uh, some significant uh, customer relationships and a long history in the market with the product. So you can imagine that when you're a smaller startup company and you're entering a category that's already established, that has a lot of users that are used to having things done in a certain way, the, um, you know, the adoption pattern um, can be challenging for a small company. In fact, I, th I think knee replacement is probably littered with companies that have tried to break into the category um, and never really quite uh, made it uh, in a very successful way, not because their products weren't any good, but because um, the commercialization chain was really controlled by the larger companies. Um, we, we try to take a, a certain approach in doing this um, as a smaller company, and the approach really consists of probably three different parts. The first is that we try to think really hard about competitive strategy. So I know a lot of what we talk about, and certainly what, as a marketer what you think about is, you know, who are the customers, how do you message to them, how do you make sure they know and are aware of who you are as well as your advantages, and how do you ultimately get them to adopt. I think for medical devices in particular, and especially when you're in the kind of category we are, you have to spend as much time thinking not just about the customer but about competitive strategy. Uh, what kind of position do they have? How are they likely to react to things that you're doing? Um, when you um, deploy a certain marketing strategy, is it easily defensible by the other guys? Can they counteract it in easy ways? So you have to kind of play the chess game of trying to figure out what are all the potential competitive reactions to what you're doing. Um, and so the, the first rule of thumb that we use in the marketing challenge is we try to think as much about competitive strategy as we do about the customer marketing strategy. 
the second thing we try to do is we try to lean really heavily on the places where I think our product line is differentiated. And the places for us where that's really relevant is, first, the technology. Um, you know, we think we have a really good story to tell. And PR and advertising and marketing and other kind of vehicles um, can be used to tell that story. And our story really consists of this idea that we have a proprietary patented technology, which is um, in itself a technology platform that can be applied to lots of different fields in orthopedics. But where we apply that technology today is in the knee replacement category. And we're trying to um, let everyone know about the degree of innovation we think we bring to the category um, on the product side, all the things that we can do for a patient with a product. But also we try to do it on the business model side. And I think that's kind of the third um, area of marketing that we really focus on when we talk to our customers, um, but also investors and, uh, and others. We have a uh, marketing story and a strategy around our products, which is, What's the value proposition to a surgeon? What's the value proposition to a patient? And what's the value proposition to a hospital since we offer OR efficiencies via the just-in-time um, manufacturing and delivery mechanisms that we use? But we also have like another portion of our story which is focused around our business model. Um, I think one of the most compelling things that we've heard in feedback from some of our customs, customers is one of the things they like about us is not just the product but that we have a thoughtful business model that they can envision to be the future of orthopedics. And the analogy I like to use to sort of um, communicate this to people is, you know, if you think about what Dell did to the PC industry in the early 1990s, uh, when Dell first came into the industry, they were competing against people like IBM, HP, Compaq, that made PCs, stocked them on the shelf, and you went to a retailer to buy it, and you kind of bought what was available. And uh, Dell came in with a completely different business model, which is that everyone goes online or calls in, and they order a PC to their specifications. And Dell doesn't even begin building that PC until they have the order. They can build it custom, and then they ship it out to the customer. And what really revolutionized that industry was they took what should have been a more expensive proposition, which was to have a custom product, and they actually made it um, – much more competitive by re-engineering the business model. They had less cost in inventory. They didn't have the retailer markup that you had to worry about, and they had a just-in-time um, delivery system that allowed them to be really capital efficient. And those are the kind of things that we think about a lot in our business is we try to describe the business model we're going after so that our customers and investors and others can see the advantage of why going custom doesn't result in more costs, but actually allows you to offer an implant that's you know, individualized and patient-specific every time, but do it at a, at a business model that's actually potentially more economically efficient than the old business model. So we focus on those three um, kind of different elements in our marketing strategy in order to penetrate against the big guys. And you can hear from all three of those that our focus is on really trying to differentiate the product but also the business model that we have. That's a great, com uh, you know, that's a great comparison to Dell because, you know, having myself as the audience knows growing, grown up in the, uh, in the technology industry, um, that was a, a, a seminal period and, you know, HP and those companies just didn't know what to do. All of a sudden this startup from Texas was, you know, actually producing what people wanted. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, you know a, we had a, a custom we used way. to have a saying in um, in uh, consulting when you were doing competitive strategy work. You know, the the best competitive strategy in the world is a competitive strategy where you can tell everyone in the world exactly what it is, and yet they can't do anything about it. 
because it's right. based on some assets and abilities and capabilities that nobody else can replicate. So we're not quite there, but we like to think that that's what we're approaching. Oh, great. Um, you know, what's the, you know, why don't we finish up this section just with a little bit around, uh, since we're on the product itself, a little, and then I want to go after the break more into some social media questions. But, um, what's the, what's sort of the cost right now of, of, of you know, having your knee replaced these days? <laughs> if you go with conformis. You know. But, um, the cost looks different to different people in the market. So I'll first cover just what the costs are and then what we're trying to do on a pricing strategy basis. Yeah. Um, the, the economics of the industry um, kind of work in this way. Uh, you know, medical device manufacturers usually negotiate with hospitals, and hospitals are the ones that actually pay the cost of an implant. Um, the insurance companies who then pay the hospitals pay them not just for the cost of the implant, but for the cost of an entire procedure. So if, with that framework in mind, uh, a knee replacement today, typically from an insurance company, um, might cost anywhere from twenty dollars to $25,000. Um, but that includes payment for everything, including the surgery and the surgeon's time and, and all of that. Um, knee replacements as a product kind of range somewhere between probably $3,500 to $6,000 in implant. And, um, and that's how much the hospital pays. But if you're a patient and you're um, having a procedure that's generally covered by insurance, which most of our products are, in fact, all of our products are generally covered by insurance, um, you know, your out-of-pocket is whatever the copay or deductible is as part of your insurance plan. Our, our pricing strategy has been, as a company has been that um, we do want to have customers recognize that we're providing value above and beyond what other um, implants are creating. But, um, it's, uh, the, but the premium is actually quite small. Um, our, our general long-term strategy with our company is that we want to be able to produce implants at costs that are competitive on a total cost basis with what people are putting on the shelf as a standard total knee replacement. So that even though we're custom, because we can do things like minimize inventory, we can use different kinds of materials because we're not trying to create durable medical goods um, on the instrumentation side, at least, that lasts for years and years, but we can actually substitute with engineered materials that are for one-time disposable use in the surgery, we think we can get the cost down to be competitive with total knee replacement. And at that point, we expect that the cost of an implant from Conformis would look very much like the cost of an implant from anybody else. But instead, but what you get at that price is a custom implant rather than a standard one. That's cool. I mean, you know, I was just in Washington, and I had, uh, you know, all the conversations obviously are moving more around this healthcare reform. But I think the administration actually does have a handle on how innovation and next generation can actually bring a higher quality of healthcare at a, you know, a similar or even less cost uh, than uh, than what is currently available. So I think you you guys are doing your part. Right. <laughs> Hey, um, we're going to take a short commercial break now, but please stand by. We'll be right back with John Lee from Conformis uh, with more of this conversation on Market Edge. Be right back. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for 
maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Purse Strings, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with John Lee. Senior Vice President of Marketing at Conformis, a really hot new company on the medical instrumentation scene, uh, specializing right now in personalized knee implants. But as we've learned, it's really being set up as a paradigm for the future of orthopedic uh, implants and orthopedic uh, orthopedic surgeries. Um, you know, John, as my audience knows, I've been sort of this... Uh, you know, leader leading the charge, so to speak, on social media and marketing. And I didn't have a lot of time to go deep last night, but when I started Googling around, you know, knee replacements and, you know, and orthopedic issues like this, they are so many blogs and so many uh, e-communities and different uh, conversations happening in, in the social media world around just what you guys are doing. First, I'd like, you know, sort of your 30 thousand foot perspective on healthcare and social media because you know there's a lot of pushback because of you know HIPAA and requirements and blah 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 but so more of your your general view and then secondarily how about the orthopedic industry and conformance itself uh, you know and social media okay um, I mean I guess at a broad uh, view when you're talking about the medical industry and healthcare um, I think one of the most significant transitions that's happened in the last, I would say, probably now going on 15 years, not just five or 10 years, is the shift in behavior around information consumption by patients. Um, you know, two decades ago, uh, uh, you know, you didn't have patients who were spending the amount of time doing research, um, looking up information on their own, and trying to be um, rapid consumers of information the way they are today. 
and um, you had a world in which the, uh, the surgeon or the physician was much more directive about what the healthcare should be, and um, the patients tended to be much less questioning, um, which in, you know, obviously had some benefits for the surgeons and even potentially for healthcare, but also had some drawbacks like the variations in practice that you see in uh, geographic areas, uh, which has been the subject of many studies. Um, what we're seeing today is that um, uh, healthcare information is first freely available, um, second, that patients are investing disproportionately in spending their time online looking for healthcare information. I think if you looked at uh, market research on what are the different sources of information that um, people go to for healthcare information, um, you'd find a tremendous amount of that happening online. In fact, I would argue the majority now happening online. And it's um, most stark for people who are, tend to be a bit higher educated and a bit higher income, um, and also people who skew young. So if you have a patient population that you're going after that tends to be younger, that tends to be better educated and wealthier, um, going online and making sure that your information is available online is um, one of the most important kind of places from a marketing standpoint that you really need to think about strategically. Uh, so you need to make sure you have a presence. You need to make sure that the information about you is correct and accurate and that you're touching on all the places um, and locations that a patient is likely to be searching uh, for information about you and your procedures. So I would say anyone who's in a marketing role today in a medical device company that doesn't have a pretty acute antenna for digital strategy, social media, search engine optimization, um, web deployment is going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's a site I'm sure you're aware of called Patients Like Me that I had helped. The brothers, one of them, of course, died as part of the sad story. But the the momentum they have in this, and right now they're just one disease, ALS, but of patients sharing information is just, it's mind-boggling uh, uh, to me. And I, I'm sure that's going to be duplicated in almost every condition and disease, whether it be chronic or not. Yeah, I'm... Uh, and, and I think you see much more and more of that. And, and um, a real uh, – another aspect of kind of marketing is, I think, making sure that um, the information about you is accurate um, but it also authentic. Um, you know, people have a pretty high sensitivity and adverse reaction when they see things online that just completely feel like fluff pieces all the time. And there really is a need to make sure that the stories being told are being told by the right people and that there's um, – a truth and authenticity to the story so that um, it doesn't come off to people like it's just um, a lot of marketing um, in the negative sense of that word. Right. I, I, I concur. <clears throat> hey, as I go around, you know, and I've talked to some big pharma companies and and some smaller, and we have many clients, obviously, in, in the, the healthcare area, but one of the common things I've been hearing from CEOs is that it seems like to them it's getting harder and harder to communicate with the physician or the surgeon. That they just are feeling that it's, you know, somehow just the digital world, everything is pushing it further away. Your views on that statement, and then second, your views of how does conformists go about reaching and communicating with the physician or the surgeon? Um, Larry, if you don't mind, I might flip the question and start with conformist first. And sure. I think in the light of that, I can uh, maybe talk a little bit about how that affects the way in which we communicate with surgeons. Sure. Um, so some of the things that conformist has done early on um, in our life, you know, we're obviously a smaller company than the um, 
some of the other competitors that are in our space, uh, which also means that it's going to be difficult for us to spend the kind of money and to engage in the full boatload of activities that a typical orthopedic or one of the large orthopedic companies might be able to engage in. So I think one of the, the most important things for us early on was to be as choiceful as possible about the areas where we were going to be able to make good progress without getting lost in the crowd, um, have that progress be recognized by our core um, customers, which includes surgeons but also patients, and then um, make sure that at least in those channels where we're um, doubling down, we look as large, as significant, and as uh, sophisticated as any of the large companies would look. And in that sort of choice framework, what we've done as a company is we've really made a big involvement in a couple of different vehicles. Um, one area that we focused on, I think, earlier than many companies would tend to focus on is on public relations. Um, we think um, public relations, even more so than advertising, is an important vehicle for being able to communicate with both audiences of surgeons and, and patients and making sure that the story is out there and that it's out there not just in a marketed way, but in a way that involves um, surgeons who've used the procedure, patients who've had experience with it, and has the um, uh, the benefit of having a third-party media source validate some of that information in the in the presentation. So that's a, that's a strategy we've taken on early, and we feel like that's been really powerful. I, I think the second thing we've tried to do is not just take those choices, but we've tried to be very integrative about the choices that we've had. So we've made a bet on PR as an important vehicle for us. We've also made an important bet on digital media being an important vehicle for us. So the places where we as a company have invested disproportionately are places like our website. Um, investing in the most sophisticated search engine optimization we can really um, go with, and then syncing our PR strategy with things like press releases um, to digital media and our search engine optimization efforts. So that when somebody goes online and they're looking for information that's about conformists or areas that are relevant to conformists, what they're going to find is that there's a whole bunch of digital breadcrumbs out there in the Internet that are going to lead them back to us so that they can learn and find out more about the experience they might have using a conformist device. And that's something that we try really hard on because I think as a smaller company, that's a place where you get great bang for the buck, much more so than spending that equivalent amount of money trying to be at every trade show that's available in the industry or printing um, brochures um, and mass mailing them to everyone that's available in the industry. So that's, that's a choice we've made about how we try to reach patients, where we try to be disproportionately invested, and um, where we look for the return on that investment. I think the, the second part where I would go is to your question and the feedback that you've gotten from some of the CEOs about having a dialogue and conversation with some of the core customers when they're surgeons. Um, we have a, I, I think may, we might have a slightly different take on that, partly because we're newer to the industry. I'm, I'm imagining some of those comments from CEO are coming from the fact that the industry as a whole, at least from a regulatory framework, is going from a place where it was very open and easy for industry to have very tight relationships with their surgeon customers um, who are critical to the process. And it's become uh, a place that's much more regulated about that. So the ways in which you can have those conversations, the kind of involvement you can have uh, with surgeons and manufacturers, a lot of that has changed, and they've changed for regulatory reasons as much as anything else. Um, since we're relatively new, and I think for us, we spend less time lamenting that the world has changed and we can't go back to some of the old tactics and strategies, and we spend more time trying to think about, well, in this world, what are the best ways to um, get in tight with surgeons and have them give us feedback on our product 
um, have them learn and then have an educational experience about our product, and that's kind of what we focus on. Digital is certainly an important part of that. Um, we found that when you um, look at the channels that are available to have the conversation with surgeons, um, even there, this entire discussion we've been having about the importance of digital is an important aspect of that. Um, I'll give you two examples. Um, there are um, channels out there um, that are targeted at surgeons that provide forums for surgeons to have peer interactions with each other. It's all digital. It's online. And one of the benefits of these kind of formats that wasn't available before is that surgeons can post videos of their surgeries and then have um, chats and discussion posts about the surgeries and the technique they used in that. And those are the kind of venues we're trying to explore in um, deepening the relationship with surgeons and making sure we're communicating. It's kind of looking out at the world, finding what's new, and trying to embrace those. And, you know, we spend less time trying to worry about some of the traditional methods um, that may be uh, less acceptable these days. What's your view of, you know, there's a very popular physician community called CERMO that's been around for a while. I'd be curious on your view of that concept. Um, I think... I think that's an interesting concept. We, you know, the, I think a lot of what happens on CERMO is in some ways more pharmaceutical directed than it is medical devices, so I'm probably less familiar with CERMO than um, some of the other folks that you might uh, uh, be speaking with. But I like the notion of what that offers, which is peer-to-peer -peer community networks of um, people in a practice, whether it's a, a class of surgery or um, primary care physicians, and the ability for them to have some dialogue about uh, their experiences with products. Um, again, you know, one of the places we, we try to invest in these kind of outreach programs is, um, and I'll name a couple of places, you know, we think about OR Live as one of the partners that we use to try to get um, broadcast uh, out of surgeries. It's a great vehicle for surgeons. It's a great vehicle for, for patients. Um, because you're showing a procedure and you're showing it in quite a bit of detail, it's highly educational. Um, and it feels like people get a real experience and understanding of what actually happens in the surgery. There are other forums um, like ViewMedi where I think that's really interesting because it specifically targets just surgeons and allows people to have peer discussions. But they provide a way for um, manufacturers to engage in that in a very appropriate way. Um, but most importantly, what they do is provide a service in the sense that they allow surgeon-to-surgeon uh, -surgeon interaction about, about the actual procedure. And their discussion about that is, um, uh, I don't know what the best word is, but it's very appropriate. It's not marketing. It's technical in nature. It's clinically oriented. And I think people have great experiences doing that. Hey, John, I can't believe we're wrapping up here, but uh, last question, and if nothing comes to mind, it's okay, but uh, you're such an interesting guy, and I, and I, I often like to ask my, uh, my guests that even if it doesn't have anything to do with your category, and, and it can, is there any cool site that you, would, that you just think is you know, really, uh, really great that you've come across uh, in the last few months that you would share with our, our listeners? That, and again, it could be in your category or not, that you just find uh, that it's fascinating and you keep going back to that site. Uh, Larry, you're putting me on the spot. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'm sure I've run across them. I just can't think of anything right at the at the moment. 
All right. Well, tell you what, we'll uh, we'll save that one. And when you think about it, I'll just mention it at the beginning of the next uh, the next show or show after if there's something that's uh, that's really really taking your fancy. But John I, I Lee, uh, you know, head of worldwide marketing at Conformis, uh, a really innovative company in the orthopedic space, and love what you're doing in uh, in in marketing. Thanks so much for being with Market Edge today. Thank you. And thanks everybody for uh, listening to us today. Tune in again in two weeks at 12 noon Eastern in the U.S. at webmasterradio.fm for another show of Market Edge. This is Larry Weber. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.